MoneyWeb now on the money. The show's brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Turning now with uh, Casey Dalport, uh, Fixed Income Investment Analyst at Anchor Capital. Casey, appreciate the early morning time. A note that you, uh, you and your, your colleagues sent out uh, just yesterday. You, you make a, a couple of points. One of them about is the possible shift in Japan's monetary policy. I, I was well, over the Christmas period when I was uh, on holiday uh, and not really paying attention to, to the markets. They did make some changes. And, and it, it feels to me, probably incorrectly so, that it, it's like the first time in decades that we actually start starting to perhaps see shifts in Japanese monetary policy. Good morning, Simon, and yeah, thank you for having me this morning. And you're 100% correct. This, you know, this possible shift in Japan's monetary policy stance is sort of largely flown under the radar, given, as you said, I think the majority of us are sort of on our festive season break. And I think it's a really, really important factor for us to, to consider. You know, we're likely to see the shift in policy as the current uh, governor of the Bank of Japan is due to leave his office in April. And he has actually been regarded as, you know, extremely dovish during his decade at the home. And, you know, his replacement could you know, could prove to be similarly dovish, but there is a really strong and fair chance that he or she will, you know, be you know, more of a hawkish sort of type rhetoric and that that will naturally usher in some sort of policy change of, of nature. So I think the the key question for the back of that is, you know, could such action really cause a you know, significant market dislocation? Um, I think that's a difficult one for uh, a lot of investors to, to understand. And I think really one reason why it sort of could relate, um, it's really due to the fact that, you know, the poor returns at home mm. have led a lot of Japanese banks to, you know, be the global lenders in international lending. And I think it's around 4.8 trillion um, US dollars in international claims. I mean, to put it into comparison, its nearest rival in the US is around uh, 4.5 trillion. So... You know, if you consider that the U.S. economy is nearly five times the size of the Japanese economy, it really becomes clear that, you know, Japanese banks are dominant in this lending space. So the question after that is, you know, whether this sort of international lending will be redirected to local markets if, if domestic returns improve because of higher policy mm. rates. And that could really, you know, lead to sort of some dislocation of the market, um, you know, rapid withdrawal of Japanese banks from the international sort of lending market, which could really strain the, the financial system at, at large. Okay, so something to keep an eye on after after Japan has been, maybe sleepy is the wrong word, but but sort of sitting quietly in the corner for for, for a long, yes. long time. Well, one of the other big things which which didn't play out last year, perhaps as expected, and over the winter was was the energy crisis in in Europe. And I mean, I, I was having conversations from as early as mid twenty twenty one around it. Of course, the Ukraine war last year then really heightened it. Indications are that 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 Europe has actually survived. I mean, and and, and it, it's head scratching. But they, they've, they've managed to, 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 to come through the winter, and of course there's still time to go, uh, fairly unscathed and without the, the, horror, the horror predictions that, that many were making. No, 100%. And again, it's another factor that's sort of gone under the, uh, the radar a little bit. I mean, I was one of those, much as, as you, you know, sort of mid last year, you mm. know, <laughs> sort of preaching doom and gloom on, on the European side. Yeah. At the end of the day, they get about, I think, uh, 40% of the, of the gas supplies from Russia. But what they have actually managed to do is, you know, really come through it the more sort of, like you said, you know, unscathed. And this is really, I think, due to a combination of sort of sound judgment from their side mm-hmm. and good luck, you know, amid what has actually been sort of unseasonably warm temperatures. 
So Europe has actually managed to fill its gas tanks you know, throughout the summer, uh, replacing mostly Russian gas with liquefied natural gas, LNG, from the U.S., which has really helped sort of, you know, stock up the, the supplies and then, you know, take into account sort of the good fortune of a very mild autumn and, and seemingly sort of mild winter at this point. And, um, yeah, it looks like they are increasingly likely to make it through this sort of winter without resorting to energy rationing. Yeah, I mean, when you get some good luck, take it with both hands. Never look good luck in the face. <laughs> a quick last one. You mentioned a reluctant trade partners, uh, a slowdown in globalization. I think what you know, the big one, obviously, is U.S.-China. And, and whilst we're not having the, the sort of Donald, Donald Trump tweet uh, sort of uh, uh, foreign policy planning, you know, th- th- there is still tensions out there, particularly U.S.-China and, and others geopolitical. I mean... Russia, of course, also on that list. Yeah, definitely. And I think this will be, for me personally, one of the most you know, fascinating factors to see how it plays out to 2023. I mean, if we just, you know, if we take a step back and we consider that, you know, several lines were really sort of crossed in 2022. If we consider the international, you know, trade arena, of mm-hmm. course, this was primarily due to, you know, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So, what I'm, you know, feel is that this year will could really be a year where you know countries may test new ways to sort of organise their economic advantages via trade. You know, there are many sort of aspects to do this. If we consider all the sort of trade disputes that weighed so heavily last year, and I really feel that will be sort of the a bit of a new norm kind of going forward. We'll leave that there. That's Casey Dolport. Uh, you find her at Anchor Capital. Casey, appreciate the early morning insights. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.